0: Covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley.
1: It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us as uh, we're here to talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. And we're talking all things Brewers baseball after a pretty darn good week where they go six and one on a ham on uh, a home stand taking two out of three from Cincinnati and then sweeping a four game series against the Miami Marlins a few housekeeping items to get rid of as we always do here at the front of the program if you happen to listen to us via Apple Podcast and you want to leave a uh, review a ranking whatever it is uh, that always helps us out so would love for you to uh, do that thank you in advance and th- for all the people who already have done it, Uh, Thank you as well. We've had a ton of people do it, so uh, thank you. And uh, uh, it's good for us uh, being able to get out there a little bit more. Uh, We record this on Sunday nights, so just kind of remember that as we go through. I know people listen to it throughout the course of the week, and uh, just all the information we're talking about, you can uh, figure that it's going through the prism of what is actually in existence on Sunday night, if that makes any sense. And if you want to get in contact with me, a couple ways to do so. Twitter is generally the best way. You can uh, tweet at me, at Matt Pawley, on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. If you're not on the Twitter machine and you want to get at me via email, the email address is matt.pawley at wtmj.com. This is what's coming up on the program this week. Our social media conversation will be with Tim Muma from Brew Crew Ball and our uh, down on the farm conversation is going to be with Garrett Green. He is the broadcaster of the Biloxi Shuckers in his first season, but uh, he came to uh, Biloxi after spending some time at Helena, so essentially uh, moving up the Brewers' chain. And We had him on uh, last year as the Helena broadcaster and happy to uh, get him on for for the first time as the broadcaster for the Shuckers. So that's going to be coming up here in just a little while. This was a fun week of Brewers baseball. A lot of different things happened. And for the most part, good things happened. And I think we're seeing a glimpse, and it's still very early on in the season, and you certainly don't want to judge a team based off what they do against Cincinnati Miami, a couple really not-so-good baseball teams. But you can only play who's on your schedule. And this past week, the Brewers had home games against the Reds and home games against the Marlins, and for the most part, they were able to take care of business. And we're seeing what I think David Stearns kind of thought we might see when he put this team together, Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich were healthy this past week, and that makes all the difference in the world. Having those two guys at the top of the order, it is it. I I've used the word dynamic so many times, and I maybe I need to. Uh, get out a uh, a thesaurus and figure out some other words to use. But uh, it is dynamic, and it's so much fun to see what those two guys can do at the top of the order. There was a situation on Sunday's game. Where Kane gets on, Yelich comes up, and he hits a home run. It was a one nothing game before that, and the Brewers led 2-1 after that. I think we're going to see that happen throughout the course of the year. This is not to take anything away from uh, a Travis Shaw and Eric Thames, who's out to a good April, uh, a Jesus Aguilar, who had one of the best moments that you're going to see uh, in a game this past week, a Ryan Braun, obviously. This is, I'm not taking anything away from those guys. But just to have that 1-2 punch going 1-2 in the order in Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich, it's what it's what really makes this lineup go. And I think nothing against Lorenzo Cain. He's part of it. But for me, it is Christian Yelich. Having him available. This is a different team when Yelich is not in there. And I don't know if there's anybody else on the team who... You really feel quite as strong that that lineup looks so different without them. Maybe Travis Shaw. You know, not right now with Ryan Braun. Lorenzo Cain is a maybe. But when when Christian Yelich is not in the lineup, the team just feels different. And that was why they went out to get him. He is an impact player, an impact hitter, and he absolutely is making an impact. Got to mention real quick uh, the at-bat by Jesus Aguilar, on Saturday night. And if you're listening to this program, 99.99999% chance that you are familiar with what I'm talking about. A 13-pitch at bat where he starts 0-2 in the count, fights off pitch after pitch after pitch, and eventually hits a 416-foot home run to walk off the Marlins. That was... That was just a flat-out great moment. That's something that, if you were at Miller Park, you're going to remember. You're going to tell that story. That was such a—it was was really cool. And the Brewers have already had some really cool moments. In fact, they already have three walk-off wins of their first 14 home games. They had four walk-off wins all of last year, and they've already got three this year. And that doesn't even count— some of the exciting wins that they've had on the road, uh, like the, the the Ryan Braun home run in San Diego, it's it, this team in a very short amount of time. It, we're we're talking to you on the night of April twenty second. In a very short amount of time, this team has provided some really cool moments and some really memorable games. So I guess my my thought to you, and I, I talked to a lot of you guys. Fairly often, whether it's on the post game show Brewers Extra Innings that we do on six twenty WTMJ after uh, after Brewers games, uh, whether it's the the weekly show we do on Thursday night Brewers Weekly, which is a which is a call in show, whether it's my conversations with you on Twitter, whether it's the text messages I get when I'm doing those shows, like I, I talk to a lot of you a lot, and I I know basing the the general feeling about things that are going on on radio call-ins or the feeling about things on Twitter is not the not the best way to go because generally more often than not it's a vocal minority who's out there talking as much as I use Twitter and if there's a pretty good chance if you're listening to this you use Twitter it's still not something that you know I'm, I'm a high as high of a percentage of people that you might think use it don't don't it's just a, it doesn't quite have the uh, the reach quite yet and it's getting there but that I mean that's another thing for another time what I'm trying to say is um, enjoy this just enjoy what's going on because people are are complaining and people are finding issues with this team I'll tell you what it was I had to chuckle and maybe you heard this, on Saturday night after Jesus Aguilar hit that home run to create one of the coolest moments that you're going to have as a Brewers fan. And my, my phone lines that night on Brewers Extra Innings, they were popping. We got a ton of phone calls. First phone call that came in. Was someone complaining about the how Craig Council manages a game and complaining about Eric Thames? And look, I'm not trying to call a guy out. and I'm not trying to begrudge a phone call. And if that person is listening to uh, to the show right now, I appreciate them calling. And we had a we had a fun little debate uh, before we moved on. But I think at the end of the day, enjoy this. Enjoy what's going on. That was a really cool moment. And I just I, I don't know what it is. I'm sensing this thing this year. Where Brewers fans are, are doing the woe is me it, are, you know the sky is falling what, what, uh, what bad things can happen and that's, that's a, you know sports are supposed to be fun. sports and this is a really cool team for Brewers fans to be able to support right now. So again, I'm probably talking to a minority right now and maybe I shouldn't have even spent time on the podcast going through it. Uh, but it's a uh, this is this is a really fun team that's got the potential to do something pretty cool. On April twenty second, they're in a virtual tie for first place in the National League Central. Have they left some games out there that they potentially could have won that they ended up losing? Sure, but what team hasn't? That's what happens in baseball. And the good thing is, you play 162 games, and you get back out there the next day. And this team is doing that, and this team is just providing some good moments. So if you're somebody who's just spending most of your time thinking about the Brewers being worried about things, my advice to you, if you want to take it, not that I'm a sports psychologist or something, but my advice to you is just enjoy this. Just enjoy this ride and see where it takes you. All right, on the program again, uh, Tim Muma, he's going to join us in just a bit as uh, he is from Brew Crew Ball and we'll uh, get his take on what's been going down with the Brewers over the course of the last week or so. We'll also talk with uh, Garrett Green. He is the broadcaster for the Biloxi Shuckers. But let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week.
0: It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter, there's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week.
1: As is expected. A lot of times, the headlines are very much uh, situated around injuries. Uh, Orlando Arcia got hurt on Friday night. He was sliding back into the first base bag after taking a big turn, and he uh, rolled that ankle. X-rays were negative. He went through a running session on Sunday, and it sounds like he very easily could be back playing on Tuesday. When the Brewers are back in action following a Monday off day, before he went out and ran, there was some talk about reevaluating the ankle prior to the first game of the Kansas City series. And if it wasn't doing well, placing him on the disabled list, now it sounds like a DL stint is not going to end up happening. Manny Pena has been on the DL since April 13th with a right calf strain. He also was out running the bases with Orlando Arcia on Sunday. All indications are that it went well, and he is getting closer and closer to being able to uh, return. Should be noted, with him being on the disabled list, Jacob Nottingham, one of the top prospects in the organization, has been up. He's done a nice job. Uh, Jet Bandy's getting most of the catching duties, but uh, Nottingham has had some nice at-bats. He's been able to draw some walks, I and mean, he's doing some nice things. And certainly, you know, more often than not, your first trip to the big leagues is kind of a short trip, but it gives you that taste, and it's a you you want to walk out with a good taste in your mouth. And I think right now Nottingham absolutely will have that closer, uh, Corey Canabel. He was on a mound throwing a bit on Saturday. They're being very careful with him uh, as he comes back from a left hamstring injury. But the fact that he's actually out throwing, he is way, 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 way ahead of schedule on where they said he was going to be. So uh, doing some light throwing off a mound. And uh, if if that continues to progress well, this guy could be out on a minor league assignment uh, sooner than later. And maybe he's going to be back a lot sooner than we ever expected him to be. So that's. That is fantastic news. Of course the bullpen has done a great job here recently even without him but uh, good to see him be able to uh, come back. Speaking of relief pitchers, uh, Boone Logan uh, has been throwing some bullpen sessions, most recently throwing uh, 25 pitches. He was able to get some sliders in there as well and uh, he will probably get uh, another bullpen session in maybe a simulated game and uh, should be able to go out on a minor league rehab assignment uh, pretty soon as well. So He's another guy that's going to be back uh, soon. The Brewers do make one move this past week uh, for cash considerations. They acquire uh, infielder, outfielder Tyler Saladino from the Chicago White Sox. He is now part of the A Colorado Springs roster. He is on the 40-man roster though, so uh, that is uh, notable uh, to make room on the 40-man roster. The Brewers uh, designated for assignment uh, right-hander Alec Asher. And then uh, finally this past week, Ryan Braun hit another milestone. It seems like he is constantly getting uh, milestones. He actually got to two milestones this week. Uh, He gets to 1,000 RBIs. That's when he hit the uh, three-run home run. He was sitting three short of 1,000 and got to 1,000 on one swing of the bat. He is just the second brewer of all time to get to 1,000 RBIs, Robin Yount being the other. He also gets to uh, 700 career extra base hits. So some nice uh, round numbers as he continues to move up some of those lists.
0: After every Brewer's game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasts. Hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the social media roundtable, and it starts now.
1: Brewers X is the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for our social media conversation, and we're very happy to welcome on to the program someone that you can read over at uh, Brew Crew Ball, another one of our uh, Brew Crew Ball folks that we get on the program fairly often. It is uh, Tim Muma. Find him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma, M-U-M-A. Tim, it's always great to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing great.
2: Brewers on a little win streak while they're turning. Uh, couldn't be better. Glad to be on as, as always with
1: you. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's really simple what's happened over the course of the last week or so. You've had Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich both healthy, and you've got pretty solid mm-hmm. starting pitching. And d- those two things put together equal the. To, and I guess playing the Marlins and, and Reds helps as well. But <laughs> the, the, the basic idea is all those things are happening and the Brewers get wins.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess anybody who's followed me on Twitter or any of my stuff at Guru Ball, they know how much in love I am with Christian Yelich. My wife understands the, uh, the fascination as well. Um, so I, I just, I think he's a, such a big difference maker in the lineup. And then obviously Kane is back, and uh, his performances have come around a, a lot as well lately. So that's so huge. It just helps up lineup. It uh, guys are on base all the time. You're constantly putting pressure on the opposition. I um, mean, you know, even a day like today where it, it looked kind of rough early, both those guys kind of kick-started some, some run-scoring opportunities. And, uh, you know, that's I think that's just a big part with this group because it, it keeps them out of those long slumps. Uh, but for sure, you know, you're playing what you consider considering through your competition, but you got to take care of business. I mean, we've seen plenty of teams, including our, our Brewers teams in the past, where you you drop these games and, and it just kills you as far as being able to make up ground. But, um, you know, pitching-wise you got to give some of the starters credit for sure, and I think you got to tip your cap to counsel on how he's used the bullpen. Uh, you know, I think he's he's been a magician with it as far as keeping guys in for a couple innings because they're rolling uh, or maybe going one inning with a couple of guys simply because of the matchups, uh, and, and they've been shut down for, what, 21 and two-thirds innings? I think no one had run, something like that. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, been, it's been great to watch. I mean, it's, it's kind of looked now like the plan Stearns had in mind with Kameelich, Leading the way at the top, uh, the bullpen really logging a lot of innings and uh, and just taking care of business at home. It, it's been awesome to see, and you know, and we'll see how they can keep it going. But you have a couple games against the Royals that, in theory, you, you feel you should win, and then another big matchup with the Cubs.
1: It's for me, and I think you're going to agree with this. And this is no disrespect meant to anybody else in the lineup, but to me, Christian Yelich is the guy that just makes everything else seemingly work for this uh, team from a from a hitting standpoint
2: yeah I, and i can't sometimes he's kind of an old school in his skill set in a way you know he's not a big power guy he's not super fast but in general he he's going to take good swings he's going to take you know, plenty of pitches uh you know he's going to be on base most of the time lefty righty it doesn't really matter i mean you know the marlins starter today he, he's looking pretty nasty and he, he had a two run shot off him uh this is just part of the reason I was so excited when the Brewers, or at least I had the thought the Brewers could go after him. And then obviously the rumors came out, and, and it happened pretty quick. And uh, I just I, I can never really put my finger on with him, but he was always overlooked in my mind. One, playing you know for the Marlins, which people oftentimes just overlook because nobody seems to watch those games. And two, you're playing with Giancarlo Stanton, who's going to take all the headlines with the big home runs, and dude looks like he's you know rips like nobody else. Um, so with the it's I don't want to put the idea on him that he's like Paul Moller in a way, which is my favorite player of all time, but I feel he has that sort of catalytic uh, ability. And I was just talking with somebody today. I think the Brewers are something like nine and two, ten 10 and two within the lineup. And obviously baseball doesn't work that way, but there's gotta be something to that where he just kind of calms things down that lineup. He's reliable. And, uh, and again, obviously you throw Kane in there and all of a sudden guys are on base all the time. So, I can't get enough Christian Yelich. People might be tired of hearing me talk about it, but I I think he's just so huge for this team. So I'm so happy he's back and and hopefully can stay healthy the rest of the year.
1: Not that this really matters for anything, but I'll tell you what, I couldn't help but feel bad. For Lewis Brinson over the few days he had the, you know he has a two a two home run game, and they still end up getting killed and then the last two games on Saturday and Sunday, Miller Park is rocking some cool things are happening during the game, and he's sitting there you know it just I know he's a Florida kid and he's finally getting that opportunity to play and everything, but I just got to think he's sitting in that dugout you know looking across the way wondering what could have been yeah
2: that is tough I mean that is the human element of, of all of this yeah, uh, I think myself, like many people, like Louis and we had high hopes for him. Uh, obviously, you have a chance to get someone like Christian Yelich. That's where he becomes part of that deal. Uh, it, was, it was a little irritating uh, uh, the first night where he did hit those couple home runs, thinking he's going to single-handedly beat your team here. But obviously the Brewers, again, offensively kind of exploded. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things, you know. And I jokingly said today, that Justin Bour maybe was trying to get traded with his uh, rough outing that he had in the field and on the bases. And, and you do just wonder the toll it takes. And I know it's early in the season. And like you said, at least Brinson's getting to play every day and he can, you know, develop hopefully and become that player everyone expects him to be. Um, but you often wonder what kind of toll it takes on, on guys to see that maybe a team is really just can't compete on a nightly basis and uh, how much that might impact them. And, and How much they push, um, you know. Again, these guys are pros, but they're also human beings. And uh, you know, I've I've been on that bad side of that, where you're losing ten nothing every night, or you just feel like you don't have a chance. So uh, I wish him all the best. I, I don't look for the Brewers to win that trade, and that I hope none of those guys pan out. Uh, you know, Yelich is the guy they targeted. He's going to be great for the Brewers for the next half decade. Uh, and then I, I do hope those guys pan out, and, and just hope they don't uh, have their career games against the Brewers in the future.
1: There was some bad body language for the Marlins, especially on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You can, you're, you're absolutely right in what you're saying. That season and the way it's going down, it, it's absolutely taking a toll on them, and it, it might be tough for some of those guys to last 162 games going through that.
2: Yeah, you know the the young guys in theory again that you figure they're going to push and they want to show something. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you as, a, as far as the body language goes, and uh, you know, a guy like Real Mito, you wonder how long it's going to be until he starts speaking up. Uh, it, it's tough. I mean, I know they're they're all professionals; they get paid. But it anyone who's played a sport knows it is it is no fun getting your head beat in every night.
1: The, the one area that's kind of maybe a little bit negative right now is trying to figure out what's going to go on with what we would now call the number five spot in the rotation with Brent Suter. I think Junior Guerra has done enough to really establish himself in there. So there's four guys in there whose jobs are pretty safe, but uh, Brent Suter has not – gone on that kind of role that he was on last year. A lot of people wonder if maybe he makes more sense as a bullpen guy who you can give a spot start on occasion, uh, but it doesn't really fit into the the rotation pitching every fifth day. Wade Miley did not have uh, a great outing at A Biloxi on Sunday. In fact, in our next segment, we're going to talk uh, with the Biloxi broadcaster a bit about and, and get uh, some information on Miley, but what what are your thoughts right now on that number five spot in the rotation?
2: I appreciate and, and like what Suter brings to the table, but I've never felt he is a pencil in starter in the rotation. I think his best role is in the bullpen, but as a swing man where you need a starter too, he can come in and give that to you. Uh, you need some innings in the middle of the game, he can give that to you. I just don't think he has you know, enough stuff, if you will, to consistently get guys out every five days. So if it were me, I, I'd be looking maybe to Woodruff again, give him a shot. Uh, if if they don't think Miley is, is up to par yet, I wouldn't be against giving Miley a shot just because he had a rough outing, even at two in the minor leagues. I mean, he was throwing pretty well in spring. Uh, so for me, I'd ideally move through to the bullpen, and I know some people want to defend the guy. I, I'm just not a fan of Oliver Drake at all, and he might get a bad rap because he kind of was left out there as a sacrificial lamb the other night uh, against the Reds. But, you know, he's, he's a reverse split guy as far as being a righty, trying to get lefties out. But too many times he has to face righty and he seems to get hit pretty hard. So if it were me, I'd not worry about the depth as much, you know, because I think they'd have to uh, designate him for assignment or try to pass him through waivers uh, because I don't think he has options. But um, I'd be more interested in seeing Suter in the pen and having him make those spot starts when needed and giving someone like Woodruff or Miley that fifth spot. Because like you said, Garrett's done a nice job now. I mean, he solidified himself to at least, you know, hopefully give you five, six innings and get it to the bullpen. Uh, you obviously have, have the other three guys in your rotation that's all set. Uh, I'm just a little worried that Suter is kind of being figured out and he doesn't have enough stuff to get by each and every time he goes out there. Once in a while, sure. Uh, but I think it would be I think it'd be helpful to have an actual lefty in the pen along with Jennings um, instead of relying on Drake as that kind of reverse split guy. Yeah,
1: and – when you look at the future of this rotation and you look at triple a knocking on the door you have uh, Brandon Woodruff who's obviously already been here uh and then you also have Corbin Burns and and Freddie Peralta those are three guys Mm -hmm. who in all likelihood are going to be part of the starting rotation uh, for, for for at the major league level at some point in the next year or so those are, those are three pretty solid prospects that are, are are going to be here sooner than later.
2: It's pretty exciting. I mean, if you are watching the starts of a couple of guys, like you said, Burns and uh, Peralta especially, that's, I think, why one of the reasons, at least, why Stearns wasn't going to go out and at least pay multiple years to any of these veteran guys because I think they really believe in what they have in the minor leagues. And I, I do think that Burns will be up at some point this year you know, whether it be for injury or for lack of performance at the major league level. Um, you know, they're relying on Nelson hopefully coming back. Maybe that doesn't work out. So I can definitely see Burns being up at some point this year. And like you said, Peralta is kind of pounding on the door at this point too. Uh, so it's, it's kind of exciting to see that on the horizon while the major league team is being competitive right now and playing well and maybe doing it in a little different way as far as relying on that bullpen, uh, but I think, as far as the, the the house of the future of the team and the rotation, especially, we've been hearing that for a couple of years that you know the Brewers do have pitching. They're just in the low minors right now, low minors. But now you're starting to see it on a daily basis. You're starting to see, uh, you know, some headlines with those guys. I think they were talking at, with Burns last outing. Uh, the opposition announcers are like, "How is this guy not in the majors right now? Like, what are the what are the Brewers doing? Why is he down here?" Um, but obviously, they see he has something to work on yet. They don't want to put that much pressure on him. But uh, someone like Burns, I would love to see again. Second half of the season, they need an arm, they need a a reset of some kind. Um, But I think that's something that going forward, the Brewers are set up pretty well, again, provided they can uh, avoid that injury bug and uh, and just keep supplementing the rest of the pieces around uh, the rotation and obviously the bullpen.
1: We made reference to the bullpen numbers a little bit ago, but I... I think Craig Council, the way he's kind of stabilized the waters, you know, when, when Corey Knebel first went down, there was a little bit of a time period there where it seemed like it was going to be a struggle to get outs numbers, you know, 25, 26, and 27. But now there seems to be kind of a, a couple different routes. Either you go with Josh Hader for a couple innings. If Hader's not available, it becomes more of a matchup sort of thing. Matt Albers seems to be the guy who gets that opportunity. Even today, uh, when Josh Hader came back out for the ninth, if something would have gone wrong, it was Jake. Of Barnes, who was warming up in the bullpen at that time, but ju- just the way that in a very short amount of time they've overcome an injury to an all-star closer, and even if they're doing it in different ways from one night to the next, they're still finding ways to be very successful.
2: Yeah, the bullpen—it's such an interesting part of <clears throat> not just this team, but uh, you know, across major leagues now. And I think council he really buys into the fact that we don't have to have roles for everybody. And, and it, you know, it's important that the players buy into it. Because so many pitchers in the past, uh, relievers especially, they, they would comment on, oh, I need to know when I'm coming in. I need to know when I'm going to get the ball. And it seems like these guys have bought into, look, I might have to bring uh, Jeffress in with the baseball loaded, nobody out in the sixth inning. Because that's a huge, uh, huge moment in the game. And your skill set, your matchup, with you guys, I want you in there. And that's just as big as getting the last three out from the ninth inning. That we give up, uh, you know, a couple base hits, they don't even get, you know, to close this game down the nine. So, I think that the council has really played that, like you said, that kind of matchup game, or let's go with the arm that makes the most sense here, and the guys have bought in. That's why it's working so well. It'll be really fascinating when Kenabele comes back because I'm, I go both ways on it. I think there's a lot of value in having that shutdown closer at the end because it can be a different beast as far as that ninth inning and, and having a guy, you know, thinking of. A, Timberl, a a Kenley Jansen, uh, you know, those guys, to, to close things down. That's huge. That, that's just like a, you know, just like a monster waiting at the end of the game where guys are like, okay, we have to score before the ninth inning or we're done. Uh, so it'll be really interesting once canable does get healthy, if Council still plays it the same way or if he, okay, Canable is our ninth inning guy or he's going to bump everybody else up and he's going to play those games earlier and those matchups earlier. I'm not sure which way to go. I'm not sure which way is better. I guess it might depend on how comfortable can is with that because um, sometimes guys can't handle that uh, that uncertainty with their roles. But so far, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job, and I think it's just a good mix of guys up there, between lefty, righty, um, some power arms, some sinkers, flyer guys. Uh, it, it's been fun to watch, and I think everyone was concerned there was going to be a bit of a burnout with the Bolton early on and really over the course of the last week it's worked out beautifully as far as getting guys rest but also putting them in spots where they can
1: succeed you mentioned guys being okay with kind of the up in the air role and i think jeremy jeffress is a really interesting guy to talk about because here's a guy who's been a closer here's a guy who has had very little success when he hasn't been a milwaukee brewer and mm-hmm. now all of a sudden. You know he comes in like the Sunday game and works out of a bases loaded jam and is all kinds of fired up when he when he comes off the uh, mound and he's totally buying in to this sixth inning closer thing, which yeah. is cool. You love seeing it, but nobody outside of Milwaukee or nobody who really outside of what you know really locked into National League Central teams, there's nothing on his you know box score baseball card numbers that indicate how important what he's doing is. To the team, yet he doesn't even seem to care. He's just all in on what he's at right now. Two years ago, this guy was closing games for this club. I mean, it's a it's a really interesting thing that's happened.
2: Jeffress is yeah, he's fascinating to me. Just you know, and you alluded to it. For one, the successes he's having at at different roles throughout his career, really with the Brewers. Uh, You know, as you mentioned, closing, and also now. Almost being the right handed fireman for the Brewers, whereas haters, you're left handed firemen to, to put out those fires. Uh, and then the other side of it is just the fact that seemingly it's only in Milwaukee where he feels comfortable enough and maybe has the support system to be successful. I mean, if you look at his numbers away from the Brewers, they're pedestrian at best. And then he's here, and for whatever reason, in different stints, he's, he's been lights out, he's been one of your top relievers. Uh and you know, I think most people know he's had the issue with some substance abuse in the past. Uh and so for whatever reason he's comfortable here. He he as you said, he buys into it. He he feels that his role in the sixth, seventh inning is just as big, just as important to the team concept. Uh and that's important because again, if he was sulking over it for some reason, especially in this scenario where Canable's out, you know, he might be thinking, Hey, I've done this for you guys, why not put me there? To your point, he doesn't show any of that. He's fired up in the sixth inning. Uh, so it really is an interesting story to watch, and I, I feel good for him. Again, that's the human side of it, where we can look at all these stats and numbers, and I love all the advanced stuff as much as the next person, uh, but sometimes there's just a comfort level. There's a there's a confidence level that goes into it, and, and he has it. And whatever he's found here, whatever the Brewers have done, whether it's Derek Johnson, whether it's a, a larger community kind of uh effort by the Brewers organization. Uh, it, it's been really fascinating to watch, and uh, I think, and I hope a lot of the fans even appreciate the fact that he really, truly seems to love it here and enjoy it here, and in part because he's had so much success. Um, and I think, I, I can't think of his name offhand, but I believe his agent tweets about it quite a bit on Twitter because he was the one that pushed for Jeffress to sign a minor league non-guaranteed deal with the Brewers because he felt, hey, this is the place you do well in this is where you need to stay so you can stay on track and so far everything has worked out perfectly well for all sides involved.
1: I want to finish you off with this and I just I almost feel obligated to talk about this because I'm someone who's been very critical uh, of Jonathan VR last year and even the the first you know couple weeks or maybe first week of this season there there were some issues. Not that he is back to his uh 2016 form. But he's he's playing solid right now. He does have four errors, but again, most of those came early on the season. He's he's shorn up the defense a little bit lately. He hasn't been making the dumb plays on the bases. He's you know four of five in stolen bases. He's hitting two seventy three. Uh, you know I'm not look. This isn't he's not a guy playing at all star caliber. But if we're gonna sit here and criticize the guy as much as we do based off some, some very <laughs> warranted reasons, I, I I feel obligated to mention when criticism isn't warranted. And I've been pleasantly surprised by just kind of the 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 general production and not really hurting the team that we've seen from Jonathan Vr.
2: I'll admit heading into the season I felt he was a bounce back candidate Uh, to your point not necessarily to the same level that we saw a couple years ago but just being able to be a productive consistent contributor to the team and yeah, you know, The Brewers don't really have a second baseman, the way I look at it. They have a, kind of a rotating basis, again, with matchups. Council kind of treats second base like he treats the bullpen, and I feel, in a lot of ways. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because nobody really has stood out necessarily. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. He he brings a little bit something different to the table that the Brewers don't have. I mean, I know Kane has some speed and will run bases pretty well. Yellows runs the bases well. He's not super fast. Uh, but he, again, puts some pressure on the on the uh, opposition when he can get on base. And to your point, he's been trying to do other things. I feel like even early in the season, he's shown and tried the bunt a few, a few more times. He's reached base on a bunt once or twice. Uh, and I think it's important to do those things just to, again, put pressure on the defense, show them that you're willing to take what they're giving you. And if you're not seeing the ball well, sometimes dropping on a bunt or taking a few pitches is the way to go. Uh, I know somebody broke down, um, some of his numbers a little bit and maybe, Maybe it's a little bit uh, smoke and mirrors as far as what the stats show. But in the end, that's what people are looking at. And if, if you're getting on base at a, you know, 340 clip or whatever, it, that's great as far as, uh, you know, what his role is on the team. Uh, and, and then, you know, another thing I noticed, even last year, and you saw it today where he was going all out goofy VR with yeah. the uh, cuffs for, for sunglasses and, and, I don't know, on the ears, or whatever he was doing. Like, he's, I feel he's always been – that way. Even last year when he was struggling, he was the first guy out there on a walk off, you know, out there dumping Gatorade on guys. He's being goofy in the dugout with Arcia and and, uh, Perez and all those guys. So I I, I like that part of it. That's why I'm kind of rooting for him. Uh, He's frustrating at times with his defense. He's frustrating at times in the past with his base running. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, But I like seeing a guy who still, again, buys into that team concept and understands all right, I shouldn't say that doesn't help anybody. I'm going to be a cheerleader, I'm going to do what I can do when I'm asked to steal a base, I'm going to steal a base. Uh, so I really hope that he kind of is building some confidence in himself. Maybe he's not putting as much pressure on himself as he did last year after he turned down a contract extension from the Brewers. Um, it, it's, it's good to see it's early. Uh, he had his struggle a little bit, as you mentioned, in the first couple of weeks. Um, but again, if he can just add a little bit to that lineup, especially the bottom part of the lineup where he can put pressure on the defense. I think that goes a long way for the rest of the season. And, and who else? Maybe he finds a spark for a six-week stretch where he can almost help carry the team with with his, his skill set of speed and, and really power at times from both sides
1: of the plate. I, I lied to you one more thing before I let you go. Um,
2: <laughs> hey, no problem with me. I'll talk all night.
1: And, and I know you have to especially appreciate this, especially with your background and coaching and so forth. The Jesus Aguilar 13-pitch at-bat that resulted in the walk-off oh. home run. I mean, have you seen anything better than that throughout just an entire sequence of an at-bat?
2: I, You know, it, to your point, I, it's it really is incredible. I mean, I'm just shaking my head watching that and just pitch after pitch. And I, I've been there as a pitcher. It's so frustrating. Like, you don't know what to do. At some point you almost feel like, can you just go take first base? Like, this is I'm wasting my time here. Uh, of course, Brandon Belt today. Uh, I'm sure you saw a 21 yeah. pitch up bat, major league record, uh, but he did make out. So it's not, you know, not quite, not quite what Aguilar did to then actually hit No, only a
1: home run but a walk off home run. Uh, and
2: and, was mean, awesome. and there I was no doubt on it. 416
1: feet on that bad boy.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And what you say? He was looking for something else, and just reacted, which you know, in a lot of ways, that's usually the best best uh, kind of of uh, hitting approach. But yeah, I. Again, I, I was a little speechless. I was laughing at it because it, it's it's just, uh, you know, you hear the term professional hitter, and you got to give him so much credit because kind of like uh, Chase Anderson last year, it seemed like Aguilar wasn't going to have a spot. And because of some of the injuries, because of the schedule, they found a way to keep him on the roster, and then you had some more injuries. And, and he's been, a, again, just like last year, he's been an important piece. He, he's not always going to be in the lineup. He's not always going to hit, but uh, he just seems to – I don't know, he just seems to deliver. And it's one of those guys that you feel championship teams have on their bench, or at least somewhere in that lineup. Um, but, yeah, that, that at bat And the night, I, I, I said, I don't even have words for it. it. It's just one of those things, at the major league level, I can't imagine that you're just able to frustrate a pitcher like that. And then, as you said, just hit a bomb to, to win the game. Uh, I I just I can't help but smile whenever whenever somebody brings that up, and that was only a day ago.
1: <laughs> it's it's It's... it's... It's so much fun I'm glad the, the Brewers uh put out the the video of the entire at bat and I think yeah. they ran it with a quote I think from Craig Council saying, you know people need to go watch this entire at bat and I encourage people to do it. it's there there are some there's some really kind of gnarly swings in there from him where he's just fighting mm-hmm. stuff off and uh this is a this is a big man you know, pr- protecting the plate in all ways shape and forms and it was just it was so much fun to watch
2: yeah and you know as you said i do some coaching have in the past and that is a great video to watch just as far as fighting and just not giving up in that bat like it would have been easy for him to wave at one or, or cape one that was borderline but and he was up there fighting and really taking the ball to catch his glove a couple times until he got i wouldn't even call it a mistake but he got one at least he could get the barrel on and, and obviously with, with his strength deposited in the right center field uh but yeah i as you said i Everyone should, should see the clip. I think it's, like, maybe a minute long, which is ridiculous because it's edited and it's still a minute long. Uh, or check out, uh, I, I, like, I like looking at, like, MLB game day um, where they show where all the pitches were, you know, 13 pitches all in this little box. It's, uh, it's pretty fascinating stuff. It's one of those things I love about baseball. It just seems so random, but uh, if you really think about it, it's an incredible skill that he, that he displayed uh, really with that at bat
1: absolutely absolutely Uh, Tim we encourage everybody to uh, follow you on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma T-I-M underscore M-U-M-A and and the folks over at uh, Brew Crew Ball you and everybody else uh, putting out content all the time yeah
2: I hope to be able to write a little bit more over there but uh, everyone there does a great job so I encourage people to check them out and uh, hey, the more the Brewers win I think the more people are excited to read about the crew
1: absolutely great stuff Tim appreciate your time as always and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon Awesome, man. Thanks a lot.
0: The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm.
1: Brewers x the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. Very happy to welcome on uh, for the first time this year and for the first time in this capacity we uh, welcome Garrett Green onto the program we had him on uh, previously last year when he was the broadcaster for the Helena Brewers but uh, he is now serving as the uh, director of broadcasting for the double-a Biloxi uh, Shuckers and he joins us right now Garrett uh, great to talk to you and, and officially congratulations on the on the move to uh, Biloxi that is uh, that's quite a move and pretty cool that uh, you get to stay in the Brewers' system, going from a short season team in uh, Helena to uh, moving to a uh, not just a full season team, but a double A team, and then playing in an incredible ballpark in Biloxi.
3: It is. Thanks so much, Matt. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad to be joining us again uh, for this season. It has been uh, a real good experience. Uh, as you said, this is a full season team and then also make the jump uh, in the Brewers' organization, uh, having that familiarity with uh, the folks in the organization and, and making the move up here to AA. A and, and as you said, MGM Park is just an incredible venue and the seventh league has been good so far and I'm I'm really fortunate to just be in the spot for the at.
1: Let's uh, We'll get into some of the prospects coming up in just a moment, but I think a lot of Brewers fans would be most interested. Uh, we're talking on Sunday evening after a bit of a rough day for, uh, for the Shuckers. They lose 13-3, but uh, most notably Wade Miley gets the start, goes three innings, four runs, six hits, one strikeout, no walks. There's a lot of people expecting to see Miley to potentially join the big league rotation at some point. What did you see from, uh, from Miley?
3: Well, I mean, look, he had pretty good command of his fastball. His breaking stuff was working today. He looked good in his two starts. Just today, a couple of left-handed batters just got a piece of the ball and sent it out the left field. Uh, there's a pretty strong jet stream that was out that way. There are five home runs in the game today, all five of them out to left field. Uh, the first one was just kind of poked off the bat and, and rang the foul pole down 325 down the left field line. Uh, but, but you know, he, he recovered in a very good way from that, but unfortunately, just a, a couple of mistakes on some pitches as well, that guy's got a piece of, uh, and so now, you know, the the question is going to be, if he makes another start here with Biloxi, how much further they opt to stretch him out, and, and really see if he, if he can stretch into a, a full starter again, and and what the Brewers want to do moving forward with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of talk that maybe this would be his final start in the minor leagues. He only throws 63 pitches. Again, his numbers weren't especially good. We never know for sure what the organization is thinking, but uh, from my point of view, it, it would seemingly make a lot of sense if he maybe got another minor league start before they make a decision on him. Was that, would that be your line of thinking?
3: I would assume so. I I don't, I don't have a specific day for when the, the organization has has to make a decision, uh, but my understanding is that it's about a week and a half out, uh, probably about the first part, right around the first of May, and so that would give him enough time to, to make one more start here with the Shuckers, and you know if he if he has a chance to, to start again in five days. Uh, that should be game two of a five-game series against the Birmingham Barons, obviously the double-A affiliate of the White Sox. And, and they've got some good prospects there, uh, most notably uh, Eloy Jimenez is there at this point. So you get to face some some big-level competition and, and try and stretch out one more time and also see if we can maybe stretch out a few more pitches. But uh, that's all speculation on my part, uh, not not specifically anything that I've been informed about, which is kind of, if I'm looking at it, what I would project out at this
1: point. All right, one more non-prospect question before we get into some of the younger guys. Nick Franklin's on the team, and he's catching a little bit. He's appeared in 12 games. He's only caught twice. I know he's doing some work on other days learning how to catch. What's been your takeaway so far on Nick Franklin, the catcher?
3: So far, you can tell that Nick is learning a new position. Um, it didn't do the best job of framing pitches with a sinker ball pitcher very early in the start that he had. But you can tell as the game progresses, the more that he calls the game, the more that he's behind the plate, he's getting a better feel for it back there. There's no doubt that he also has a good arm behind the plate as well. But I think that just the fact that he's transitioning to a new position uh, and obviously getting behind the plate and catching it is a completely different experience. Uh, so he's, he's still adjusting into that, but... Right now, um, he's also moving around. He's he's played right field and, and looked good out there. Uh, he was at third today. We've seen him at second. We've seen him at first. So still getting some work and, and learning how to catch. Uh, and, and I think that framing pitches is something that he's he's really trying to work on and make strides with. Uh, but it, as far as uh, cutting down on a running game, I think he's more than capable of wanting to play with that.
1: It is a stacked roster from a prospect standpoint. Ten of the top 30 MLB pipeline uh, prospects uh, are on the team, including four from uh, the top ten. From a uh, pitching standpoint, let's start with Luis Ortiz, number five prospect in the organization. So far, seemingly so good. He's carrying a uh, 2.11 ERA in four appearances, 22 strikeouts, seven walks. I mean, these are really good numbers. I know there's a lot of... uh, people who are excited about uh, about Ortiz, what have you seen from him so far?
3: He's shown really good command of his fastball and then also working in his breaking pitches. Uh, he just looks really composed on the mound so far this season. You know, he got the start on opening day, first batter that he faces. He gives up a home run on the first pitch of the season uh, and then kind of was up and down to that first inning. But he really settled in after that, and he has just been in a groove the rest of his time here in Biloxi. Now, he's been pitching behind Miley uh, for the last couple of appearances that he's made, and unfortunately, when the team was in Mobile, he came in and wound up uh, pitching on the backside of that. Through six and a third inning, the game went to extras. He struck out a career-high 10 in that game. It looked fabulous, but with the international tiebreaker rule uh, and a runner starting on second base, that was something that got in there, but otherwise a sterling outing. And then today, uh, he winds up giving up three runs; only two of them were earned, uh, and really looked sharp. He had a double that was wind blown. Uh, it was a fly ball out to right field that was a long run, in for the right fielder, and and because the wind was blowing in from right, it knocked it down even quicker. So there was a double there, an error, let a runner get on base, and then he just made some mistake um to Nick Stolak in the in the game today on Sunday. But other than that, uh, he has just looked like he has a calmness and, and a presence on the mound that's that's really, really exciting. Um, from a top end
1: starter perspective, sticking with the pitchers, Adrian Hauser, Cody Ponce in the rankings, they go thirteen, fourteen. Uh, they they both their ERAs maybe are just from a you know outsiders perspective maybe are not where you want them to be. Hauser at four point one five, Ponce at four point four one. Is this the case with these guys? Of still, hey, we're talking about these guys on April twenty second. They're still kind of finding their way early on in the season.
3: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Obviously, Hauser coming back from Tommy John surgery, is is trying to get stretched back out as a starter, and he was due to start the third game of the season and then surprisingly got called up to Milwaukee through two scoreless innings against the Cubs. And, and since he came back, he's been trying to stretch back out as a starter again. Really, the ERA is a little inflated because his first inning as a starter, he gave up two runs and hasn't pitched more than three innings in a game since. They're they're just trying to stretch him back out again. So he's he's trying to recover from just the, a little bit of shakiness in that first start. But otherwise, he's looked sharp in his outings. Uh, really good command of his fastball. Really good command of his curveball. And, and you can tell that he's he's slowly working back into a starting role after he was forced to uh, you know come out of the bullpen for Milwaukee. As for Ponce, he's a guy who again. I think that he's finding his command at this point in the season right now. Um, a, a little bit of a slow starter. The the runs that he's given up have been early in the game, and then he settles into a groove later on, so I think that once he can just get a feel right out of the gate, that'll really help him a lot in his development. Uh, and, and also, uh, obviously, Cody dealing with uh, the loss of his mother in the offseason, and, and that's something that, no matter how good of an athlete you are, impacts you, and so he's, he's Finding a way to deal with that as well, while while pitching, you know, for his first full season here at Double A,
1: Hauser certainly did not embarrass himself. You know, he went two innings, giving up just a hit, three strikeouts, no walks uh, in Milwaukee. What does that do for a young guy like him, who's at Double A, to get that chance, knowing it was going to be a, probably a short opportunity, but to get that chance at the big league level and have some success with it?
3: Well, I had a chance to talk to him about it, and he said the, the experience was just unbelievable. Obviously, he made two appearances with Milwaukee in 2015 after he came over in the uh, trade that brought Phillips and Santana and Hager over. Uh, he was originally part of the Astros organization. He came over and pitched with, with uh, the Shuckers here and then made the move up to Milwaukee, so he'd had the experience of coming into a ballgame there at Miller Park before and as i said he was surprised but he said it was an unbelievable experience uh, but his focus is to to be here and to stretch back out as a starter and and hopefully get back to milwaukee as fast as possible and and he was just honored to to have the opportunity to come up there and and pitch for milwaukee but but now the the goal is to try and just progress here every single day and and get back to being a hundred percent.
1: We are talking with uh, Garrett Green. He is the broadcaster of the Biloxi Shuckers, the AA affiliate of the Brewers. Uh, let's go through some of the uh, some of the position players now, and we'll start with Lucas Ersig. Everybody learned about Lucas Ersig during last year's spring training uh, when he just put up some really impressive numbers and had a, a you know it was there was a huge home run that he hit that got a lot of people's uh, attention. So far. Pretty good numbers, three eighteen average. Has a home run, nine RBIs, uh, slugging at, at four thirty nine OPS at eight eighteen. Uh, de- his defensive numbers look good from what I see, as he's only committed uh, one error so far. Uh, what uh, again? I keep asking the same question, but Lucas Ersig, what are you seeing with him right now?
3: Well, I mean, obviously, a couple of nights ago, a four hit night for him, including that first home run of the season. The power is there, for sure, when he gets into a ball. but What really impresses me about him is the way that he's able to spray the ball all around the ballpark. Bats from the left side, doesn't wear batting gloves, uh, and really does a good job driving the ball the opposite way. Uh, Already this season, you know, he's recorded, I think I'm looking here, at eight multi-hit games, if I'm remembering correctly. And, And so he's really put together an impressive hitting performance at the plate, He's a patient hitter, uh, but again, more than, more than the home runs, the fact that he's just able to hit the ball all around the park. And then uh, on the defensive side of things, he's looked very good with the glove, and, and obviously, he possesses a, a fantastic arm over there at the hot corner. What they're really working with him now uh, is on his footwork to ensure that he has all of that sound. And you can see the, the defensive pr- improvements coming uh, throughout this year already as he continues to progress, and and really just a a guy that anchors down the lineup. He's been slotted in the third spot pretty much every time that he's been in the lineup. Uh, and, And again, just sprays the ball around the park.
1: Maybe the single greatest development for people who uh, are excited about the minor leaguers coming up is Corey Ray. And if we would have been talking five days ago, we would have been talking about a guy who's hitting three hundred sixty five uh, Only has a, a hit or so since uh, then. It's, his average is down to two seventy six, but still, the numbers look pretty good especially compared to his struggles over the last couple seasons i i feel dumb asking you this question because we're 17 games in for uh, for ray but you know that small sample size does it seem like maybe something has clicked in a little bit more with him this year you know more than just clicking i think he's finally healthy
3: and that's something he talked about a lot during spring training is the fact that last season he was just kind of battling a few throughout the year, didn't feel confident in himself. And I think that this year he's he's fully healthy uh, and engaged and obviously has a, a couple of great partners in the outfield with him. Um, you know, the, the three guys who are out in the outfield uh, for the Shuckers all ranking in the top 25 prospects for, for the organization, for the Brewers this year. Um, but early on in the season, uh, and, and even just up until the last couple of games, he was locked in at the plate. He came through in some big moments, uh, including you know, having a, a three-RBI triple, or a double, excuse me, that, that wound up being the difference in a ball game. He drove in five in that game, uh, part of an eight-game winning streak for the Shuckers. And, and he was right in the middle of all that. He's, he's been scoring runs, uh, stealing bases. And, again, the, the last few days, have not been the best for him. But everybody's going to ebb and flow throughout the course of the season. But uh, as a leadoff hitter that you want slated in right there, he's been everything that, that you can ask for early on in the season uh, for, for the Shucker squad.
1: Trent Grisham on the DL. He hasn't played since uh, April 17th. What's the update on him right now?
3: Well, it was a case where he was going to lay down a bunt in a game. He had a fastball that rode in on him, and and on the call, I thought that he'd been hit in the chest with a fastball. But what actually happened is the ball caught his bat, and as he was falling away, uh, he had dug in on the box and kind of rolled over on his ankles. So he's just spending a little bit of time just getting back back, um, into shape and and getting back ready to come in the games. It's something that's a serious injury, but just a small setback that, they wanted to give him time to, to fully recover from.
1: How much are you enjoying that outfield? Whether you know with Ray, with Stokes, Grisham when he's healthy, Clint Coulter. We've seen uh, you know Jake Gatewood plays a little bit out there as well. There's a lot of that. That's a stacked outfield for Double A, isn't it?
3: It is, and that's that's been the most fun part of it. And, and obviously, it's kind of the thing that grabs the headlines is the guys who are. In the outfield for the for this team, and they have been a joy to watch so far this season. They've got speed for days, um, and, and, and we said it all, you know, in our broadcast throughout the first part of the season. Any time that Corey Ray or Troy Stokes Jr. Um, or even Trent, anytime that they put the ball into play, if it's head out towards the gaps, and, and you know that it's going to get down, there's not a chance for a fielder to get to it. Don't look at the ball. Look at those guys run the bases because it is just a ton of fun to watch them on the base paths and the way that, that they will take extra bases, the way that they'll go first to home, uh, first to third on balls that aren't even hit that hard. It, it, it's just the speed that comes with them along with all the other tools is, has certainly been uh, an entertaining thing to watch at the first part of this year.
1: Jake Gatewood hasn't maybe gone off to the start that he would want at the plate. He's playing a lot more first base than, than anywhere else, and a lot of times earlier in his career he's played first base, but he's played a bunch of other positions as well. Started as a shortstop, saw him at third a lot uh, in, in 2016 with the Timber Rattlers. Is, is first base kind of becoming that spot that he's going to be at?
3: I think so. I think that that's really where they project him out to be. Six-five, power-hitting first baseman. Um, you know, he's looked comfortable over there with that length. He's made some great stretching grabs over at first. Displayed some good ability with the glove. I believe he committed his first error of the season today. Um, so he's been very solid over there at first base. And while the numbers don't look great right now, there's no denying that he, he definitely started the season off in a funk, but over the last five days, he's put together some great at-bats. The The numbers do not bear out the kind of at-bats that he's put together over the last couple of days. Um, and when he gets into a baseball, when he makes contact in a solid way, it just sounds a little different coming off the bat. Uh, and I think that with with the way that he's had an approach at the plate over the last couple of days, pretty soon you'll start seeing the doubles come, the home runs come in bunches, uh, and, and you'll see it all pieced together. But from a defensive perspective, uh, I certainly can expect that he will primarily be playing first base here this season for Biloxi.
1: Garrett, uh, if people want to listen to the broadcast, and you guys are on uh, MILB-TV as well, what's the best way to uh, get connected with uh, all things uh, Biloxi, Shuckers, and also uh, be able to, uh, to consume your broadcast?
3: Yeah, so uh, obviously com is uh, the site that everybody can go to to check things out. Uh, for every game that we have on, there's a, a link for the audio that's right there. We're on NILB tv, so MILB.tv for all of our home games. Um, We've put, put on a great broadcast. We have a, a great crew that, that runs things. Um, and and on the road, you can catch us on TuneIn. Uh, if you're ever in the Biloxi area, we're on uh, cruising WGCM, which is uh, AM 1240 FM 149. Uh, and you keep up with us on, on Twitter, at Galaxy the and then uh, myself, at Garrett underscore Green, uh, and my broadcast partner, Spencer Siegel, is at Spence Siegel. Uh, we do a great job there. And One thing that we're working on trying to do a better job of to keep people informed as the season progresses um, is our blog that we have. It's the, the Shuck Dynasty blog, and you can find that there, um, on LexiShuckers dot com as well, you can go to the multimedia tab uh, and find blog posts there. We'll be doing more to get out uh, information on these guys because obviously it's a it's a roster that's stacked with prospects. Um, not only with articles but also with podcast um, interviews and things along those lines because uh, because we understand that not only is this a a good team this season but there are some guys who their projected arrival in milwaukee is not too far away and we want to make sure that the fans can keep up with that as much as possible
1: and if you want to put on your chamber of commerce hat for just a second for uh, uh biloxi a good uh, summer trip for brewers fans check out some prospects you've got the uh, i know the mgm uh, hotel right there is, is right there there's obviously a, a, you guys could make it a, a pretty good vacation spot for brewers fans
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the boat of Lodge is right across the way from us, literally across Beach Boulevard. Uh, the ballpark sits across the street from the beach that's right there. Um, there's the the Hard Rock is there. There's a Margaritaville. that's just a resort if you don't want to go to a casino. Um, I highly recommend Ocean Springs just across the bridge. Um, not, not a 10-minute drive away from the ballpark is a great place to be. Uh, everything that you could want down here on the coast is it's certainly a, a tropical-esque vacation, uh, and we'd recommend it. Uh, apparently, even in, in these early months, uh, and, and once things get a little bit later in here, while it, while it might be chilly up there in the north, uh, we've been enjoying some, some nice warm weather down here, and it's certainly a, a nice, laid-back, friendly um, great Gulf Coast experience along with some pretty good baseball.
1: He is Garrett Green. Follow him on Twitter at Garrett underscore Green. Garrett with two R's and two T's. Garrett, thanks so much for taking some time, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you, uh, you know, every month or so during the course of uh, the season to get an updated uh, look at what's going on with uh, the Brewers' AA prospects.
3: You got it, Matt. Anytime. Happy to join you guys and fill everybody in.
1: That is Garrett Green joining us. We appreciate him taking some time with us as uh, we'll be uh, talking to him every uh, month or so, every month, six weeks, somewhere in there. To, uh, get the details on what's going on with the Biloxi Shuckers. Alright, let's look ahead to the week that is coming up for the Brewers. They are going to be off on Monday, so uh, they will uh, enjoy the day off, and then they head to Kansas City. They'll play uh, a couple games at uh, uh, Kauffman Stadium on Tuesday and Wednesday. Then they'll head to Chicago for a four-game series against the Cubs. The Cubs are kind of scuffling a bit right now. They just haven't really found uh, Uh, That traction, so we'll see what the Brewers are able to do against the Cubs at Wrigley. Where it seems like at times the Brewers play better against the Cubs at Wrigley Field than they do at Miller Park. I think we can all agree that the Cubs fans at Wrigley seem to be nicer folks than the Cubs fans that find their way into uh, Miller Park. It's just kind of a different environment. So, off day Monday, a couple games in Kansas City, four games in Chicago. That's what the schedule looks like for this upcoming week. Do want to remind you, the Bucks, as we sit right now, they're tied two-two in their series against Boston, and the Bucks are going to play uh, games on Tuesday and Thursday. So those games that night, the Tuesday night game against Kansas City and the Thursday night game against the Cubs, those games are going to be moved over to 94.5 FM. That's WTMJ's sister station, KTI Country. So when the Bucks are playing a playoff game, if the Brewers are playing at the same time, you're able to hear the Brewers game on 94.5 FM. So keep that uh, in the back of your mind. Uh, as you are maybe looking for Brewers games on the radio. All right, again, my thanks to uh, the couple guests that we had on the program, Tim Muma and also uh, Garrett Green. My thanks to you for being tuned in as well, and we look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We're powered by WTMJ Mobile.
0: Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.